Hey folks, welcome in to Pro Football Ireland. It's Wednesday, which means it's Gahal NFL. I'm delighted, Michael McQueen here, delighted to be back on this podcast after a few weeks AWOL. Mark is now AWOL, but the main man, Mr. James Gahal, is here. James, um, first off, Kajay, and is everything still tipping along nicely down in Galway? It's been too long since I've been down, man. Yeah, man, you, you've covered, you've a lot of air miles, a lot of ground miles covered in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I tell you, you're doing your bit for the NFL and I'm trying to promote the sport and, and, and these shows. So fair play to you. Can you tell my wife that? Yeah, please. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Um, are, you, are you in the spare room yet? You are. No, not here now. Look, it's 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 not that bad yet. But no, to be fair, to be fair to Lynn, she's been very uh, very supportive. But I'm just generally because we haven't even talked about this off camera, James. This is my first weekend, like full weekend at the house since September the 23rd I had family members get married in between London and Germany etc so I'm I'm buzzing I'm, I'm, re- I'm actually I'm really excited just to sort of sit for the next month and just watch a bit of the league man like it's one of those things and I know you've got a family you're busy yourself so you're you know sometimes you're playing catch up as well but it's hard to believe that you know we're sitting in here now we're getting into almost National League GA territory coming into January but it's flying in. It's hitting the headlines again now in all the national newspapers and all the, the media outlets about the hurling football leagues coming back. That's always a sure sign. And I suppose when, when you're heading towards the turkey dinner and on this side of the shore, that means Christmas Day, not Thanksgiving. You're thinking, oh God, the year is almost over. And it's it's moving so fast, but I, I suppose things move well when you enjoy them. But you're right, it, it's ketchup. Like I'm sure, because a lad told me before, if you want someone to do something, pick a lad that's busy. But that means he's at something. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... Fair news to you for covering the ground. Like September 23rd is a long time when you think back. You know, you're, on, you're looking at nearly 10 weeks. So, you will, as I said, you have a lot of miles covered. So, but look, as Bertie Hearn said one time, you have a lot done, more to do. <laughs> oh, I love this podcast, by Italian. Jesus. Um, no, here, brother, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's it for uh, six weeks. And then we're in your neck of the woods in Galway for Jeff starting the eight, eight night tour Galway, Cork, Limerick, Dundalk. Belfast, Derry, Dungannon. There you go. There you go, man. There you go. And then Vegas. So it's going to be a good crack. We'll see, folks, if we can persuade James or James to fly into Galway City. More more on that soon. Um, I, I, like, I'll I'll stick to the... I, I feel like we can have a conversation about Galway for an hour, but we'll stick to the NFL talk. But um, it's been a few weeks. I, know I have really enjoyed listening to this podcast last few weeks because... You know, two weeks ago you were going in on it on the Patriots. Now, do you know what? We haven't even planned this, but I'm I'm gonna say it very quickly. This it's obviously Wednesday morning. Um I host the Steelers podcast for the Steelers in Ireland. Thursday night football. How you any hope going into Pittsburgh? I mean the, the Steelers are no quarterback, but should be grand. Like look look at our defense. I, I George, I'm I'm gone to the stage now where I just actually kind of put in the piss out of the Patriots a bit. Where I I was I went through another space of devastation over the last eight weeks. Uh, thinking we're going to come back and we're going to get back on the horse again, only only to fall off the horse and then get kicked by the horse. That's what happened over the last number of weeks, right? And just things have gone from bad to worse. And I'm looking at Big Belichick and going, Joe, our defense has been pretty good. We've 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 given up what six points, ten points, ten some of the rest are very 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 low scoring affairs. Um, but then we just can't move the chains whatsoever. So regardless of what we're up against, um, offensively, it's the other side of the ball that worries me big time. Like. I'm depending now, this is ridiculous, I'm depending on our defence to turn over your offence, to maybe return a pick six or get our special teams to get some scores. That's what. That's kind of the where we're at now with the Patriots. Um, and as, as I said to Mark last week, all eyes are now on the draft. 
I think we sit in the number two position at the minute. Um, so yeah, the tank is in full flow. I, I never thought I'd say that as a Patriots fan, but yeah, tank is in full flow. So Caleb Williams, here you come. The tank in full flow, and we're not talking about the oil tank at the minute, but unfortunately not. Definitely no. not for me at the minute, anyway. Oh, Jesus, though. Oh, yeah. We're all packed. Let's move on to that one, Mike. We ran out of the uh, oil during the NFL last Sunday, so shout out to the lads that sort of decide. Um, like, very, very quickly, have you been paying attention to college football? Like, are you in that mode now where you're like, I have to look at this? Is that where you're yeah. at? Yeah, I, I, look, I look at it, obviously... Um, I also I always, I always think that the NCAA, they, no matter what happens every year, there's always some element of controversy. I'm convinced they do it uh, for one or two reasons: a politics, or b to stir up a bit of a craze about the whole competition. I, I think it's I think it's legitimate. You know, like how Florida State and in in, in the, the playoff is beyond me. How you can go through and say a Power Five conference come out undefeated, win it, and then not get through to the playoff is kind of a travesty to be honest. It's but, look. Yeah, what happened now if Alabama, if Alabama beat Michigan, I'd be disgusted. I will, I will, I'd be disgusted because then it's, it's, it seems like they were justified for their entry. I watched the uh, playoff selection show on Sunday and while I thought the Bama would just get fourth, I, I was shocked to see FSU get fifth, which is mad. They're playing in Dublin next year. Maybe we'll see you there and, and we'll jump back into the NFL. Um, talk to us, talk to us, Mr. Scahill. Coming into week 14, uh, go back a few nights. It's Sunday night in in Galway, in in rural Galway. You've got the fire <laughs> on, the NFL's on, the winds are tucked up in bed. You persuaded the wife to put the red zone on. What did you see? What were your? What was the thought that popped out for you that you want to talk about? Uh, I'm going to go for the Eagles and Niners um, because I was heavy on the Eagles over the last uh, so number of weeks, thinking that they had the complete package um, on all three phases of the ball. I thought their coaching chicky was quite strong. The quarterback was excellent. All line, special teams, defense, all seem to kind of stack up in in the in the right shape. Albeit they came through some of the games in the past number of weeks. I won't say they stumbled through them, but they came through them, uh, which is a sign of a good team. The Niners went through a bad patch over the uh, let's say a week, you know, nineteen eleven, which which seems like a lifetime ago now. And I was truthfully speaking, I thought, you know what, Eagles, if they can make a statement win here and you know, get over the Niners. And what I saw then in the first first quarter was that, you know, they, they stifled you know, the Niners couple of first couple of positions, it was two punts, but after that then like six straight TDs and just the Niners threw every kind of offensive shape, pattern, play at the Eagles and they had no answer. They absolutely mowed them in the run, which was very surprising when you look at the we look at the beef that the Eagles have up front, especially in that, that D line, you're saying to yourself, How did the Niners just blitz them open? And they did it in an array array of ways. So they did it through the year, obviously Brock Purdy's put himself, I think, firmly into the MVP conversation, in fairness. Uh, not because he was Mister Relevant, but because he's played his he's, he's played his way that way. Um, and then you look at all the, all the like Sammy was first touchdown. Look at the way Kitty blocks when they throw out a screen pass. Like look at the blockers in front of them. And I know Sammy got two receiving touchdowns as well. But the, all the blocking and it's just the downright how do I put it nastiness. I have to I have to say the only word I can use really of the Niners' offensive line and how they just blew. what was the word again. Nastiness, pure nastiness. Oh, yeah. I thought you said nasty. I was like, is that, is that a goal word? Yeah, of course, nastiness. Yeah, <laughs> they just absolutely blitzed, blitzed the Eagles. And in fairness, they, they made the Eagles look like no, I have to say, like a mid table team. That's that's reality. And by the way, everyone, everyone has the Eagles as the number one team coming into the last week. And, and look, I have to say, rightfully so, but they have been firmly displaced. And like, I'm looking at the Niners now and saying they have it, they have every two in the box, you know, whether it be McCaffrey. Samuel, Ayuk, Purdy, Kittle, they can fly it through the air or fly it on the ground. So 
they're ones to be stopped. That's why this this weekend's matchup now, um, you know, in a division matchup, should I say, is going to be huge for the Cowboys. It can they turn over the Eagles? Say, I think the Cowboys. I, I read some stack stat yesterday. I went to that the Cowboys. I think are something like fourteen and zero at home. Like that, so their their run has been seriously impressive. And I know I said to Mark last year, or last last week, excuse me, that um, there were a couple of teams who have well up, up to somebody obviously who had uh, undefeated home records was the Eagles and Cowboys. It was going to come down to this fixture. So that's where we're at, man. That's that's really shaped the landscape over the next week. You're shipping up, boys. You're shipping up. I th- I really think that just quickly on that Cowboys point, I I I could be completely wrong on this, folks. So call me out on social media if I am. I think the last game they lost was that playoff game the Niners a couple of years ago. Do you remember whenever Debo came, came out with a big massive uh, stereo and it was going a bit mad on just in the playoff season? And um, ju- just on that about the Niners, I mean, there's so many, there's so there were so many elements of that game. You know, prior to the game, at every game in Philly, the, the crowd, the atmosphere, ferocious against the Niners. Brock Purdy walking into the Dragons Den, and frankly, the Niners completely at them up as you said they're 16-0 when Purdy, McCaffrey and Debo finish a game 16-0 and for me it's yeah and it's it, it's just like you look at the progression yeah you have four touchdowns of Purdy but to still have an efficient run game when you're flying on that pass so much as well is, is nuts and I just feel like now after watching it I, I was telling myself all last week, James, like if the Niners, if they beat the Eagles, the Eagles will come back and win in the NFC Championship or they'll beat them in the playoffs. I can't see any team winning that. And I have to, I have to give a shout out to the Niners fans uh, in Dublin, the Irish faithful who have a big watch party this Sunday. Uh, and I have to shout that out because it's been very, very good to us. So uh, it's in Buskers. Check it out, uh, the Irish faithful on social media. But honestly, James, I can't see anybody beating them. Is that bad of me to say that? Is it too early to say it? Should, should I calm down? It's not too early. Like, I suppose when you have teams that come in, obviously every team is, is, is you know, it's beat up to a certain extent, whether it's in, injuries or, or form. You know, every team is going through a certain amount of adversity. And the Eagles have come through, I suppose, a tough run over the last four weeks. And I, I'm, I'm giving them a small bit of credit for that. So they're allowed this blip, I think, on the road. But they're by no means a bad team, certainly. They're well, very well balanced too. But, but, what the Niners produced on Sunday was pretty much it was awesome. When you look at the NFL where it's a game of inches, you know, and especially through the early years, we talked about their own game. I think the stat was like 146 to 46. But the Niners had 146, which is basically a ground and pound. And they blitzed, as I said, they blitzed the Eagles D-line. And they couldn't deal with it because they, it, wasn't, it wasn't so much straight line running like it was, you know, trick plays, screen passes, you know, major cuts by Samuel and McCaffrey. They just hit them from all angles. And the league has had no answer. Now, I think this is a great precursor to what you see is in the NFC Championship game. Obviously, Sirianni will go back and he'll divulge or he will dissect this game and and, and find out, um, you know, see if there are any patterns in line of play. But it's so difficult because Kyle Shanahan just seems to constantly dial up these plays. And it's one thing to dial up the plays, but dial them up in the right at the right time, the right play call. There was there was a super balance there as well. So it was kind of a really collective effort whereby. Niners had a, play, a great play call both on, on defense and offense, and just the players executed. Where you contrast other teams, and you have other teams like oh, my team running wrong routes, and you are missing blocks. And if you just go to this, the basic fundamentals of blocking, whether it be blocking for your, your quarterback to throw or blocking for your, your running backs, Niners did it exceptionally well. So well balanced. Um, they're going to be very hard to stop. They're certainly 
there's, there's three teams in it, Mike, right? And they're 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 top of the list at the moment on current standing. Um, as my mom would say, they're eating their cabbage and bacon by in the morning. The that, Debo Samuel. You're talking about the different. It wasn't just straight. It was different tricks, different movements. He was a bit of a. He was almost as big of a game changer as Joe Canning was for Galway on on, on the field at the weekend. You could argue. Um, I I I had to say I, I tried to get a Galway reference in there. No, I had that. Oh, man, Debo changed. Debo changed that game on Sunday for me. Like just like, run a ring around him. But it's amazing because like obviously we know we we have, we've grown accustomed to the all the NFL players are supreme athletes, especially the guys who are in skill positions, whether it be running back, wide receiver, etc. So everyone is a, is a supreme athlete. But still, you have to look at the likes of Tyreek Hill and Debo Samuel and those like and say, they, they, those guys are above the rest. And it's just, it's their athletic ability. And when you watch the way Samuel just turns on the afterburners and just blows through the Eagles defense that like they're not even there, it's absolutely amazing. And he's, he's route running, whether it be his route choice or his cuts for the runs, or he's out running for receiving. It's all awesome. Like he's just a, I don't know. He's a Swiss Army knife. Man. He's 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 a weapon you can utilize in any facet of the game. He's amazing to have. He's, he's usually amazing to have, man, and usually influential. Man. So when you've got a player like that who can execute the way he is, sure, like it, it's potentially the win and lose him in the game. Seriously, against top level opposition, if you have someone like Kim or Terry Hill, that's the difference of you winning the Super Bowl and not. You know, so they're they're damn lucky to have him. Ah. Now it makes me sick that we missed, we packed up on him. You know what I mean? <laughs> it makes me sick. <laughs> um, tell me this: um, the Scala household Monday morning, late Sunday night. You mentioned the Cowboys a minute ago. Cowboys playing the Eagles in what now is a huge game. The game is in Dallas. Yeah, James, you have to. I'm not saying you ring in sick Monday morning. You get a Frank and Alice, You get a coffee in you Monday morning. We're not sponsored by them. Don't worry. But look. Everybody has to stay up for this game on Sunday, yeah. Every, like it's such a big game, and it, like like I've seen people this week say that. Well, if the Eagles lose, I'm not that concerned. There's four games left after this week. It's the type of game, Mike, right? Where, where I I wouldn't class it uh, as I class this as a get on with it game. In other words, stay up and just get on with it. Okay, <laughs> they're tired, so be it. The day after, just get on with it because there's a certain amount of games that have high stakes. You know, at the start of the year, look, every game is just you're trying to get your foot in. This time of year now, when you hit, hit these big division rivals where one win or can swing, you know, the, the division in any way, shape, or form, this is a good amount of game. This is huge. So I will be setting up, don't you worry. And I'll be like a zombie on Monday morning, so I apologise to my employer in advance. But we, we'll get past that. Well, uh, sure. We're, we're, look, we're all the same. I actually set up, and this is the thing, I'm, you know, I'll get, get a wee bit older. I, I, I watched um, the Chiefs against the Niners. I watched three quarters on Sunday night. Got up half seven, fresh to Daisy, but don't know. Is, is that bad? Yeah. No, that's not the same gross, my friend. You're now, <laughs> your body now, your body's now acclimatizing. You're, you're kind of on two sides of the water now. You're, oh, so you're, 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 your body's acclimatizing to the hardship of being an NFL fan. There'll be some drop down on uh, there'll be some drop down come the end of the season. I actually am going to stay up tomorrow night and watch Patriots Steelers for a bit anyway, just because it's the Patriots and the Steelers. Mainly because of the Steelers, and I have to do a podcast on Friday. But it's football, and in four months' time, we'll be dying for it because there'll be nothing else on. No, that being right. said, the gal will be back at a decent time. Then, so, what I've gone through over the last three weeks as a Patriots fan, I, I can't do it. It's like I love them; I still love them. Don't get me wrong, but just oh god, there, there are hours in my life I'll never get back. Like 
It's uh, yeah. I'm watching shite. I watched last like last Sunday. Super language now. Who <laughs> I I mean, oh my god! It'll make a dog sick. Well, actually, right. Hold hold on, right? Hold on. So, f- out of five, how many games are they winning? Steelers Thursday night. The Chiefs next week. The Broncos on Christmas. Well, Christmas Eve. Hey, the Bills New Year's Eve. The Jets week eighteen. How many of those games? Max, are Max one. You're telling me they're going to win three games this season? Yeah, max one game. Uh, we have a hope against the Jets. We have a hope. We have a chance against the Steelers, I think, on Thursday. And we have a chance against the Jets at home. We have no chance, truthfully speaking, no chance against the Chiefs, no chance against the Broncos, no chance against the Bills. So, hand in hand. As we say up here, that's cap. That is cap. Honest to God. I know. I, 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 I think at the start of the year, I could, I could be correct. I think that I was hoping for like a nine and eight, you know, a ten and seven type. I knew, I knew our, our strength of schedule was going to be very difficult. I knew that at the start of the year, but still, and in the in the, in the whoever who holds the five top picks in the draft order, I think we have the hardest strength of schedule left. Okay, so, I tell you what, we'll have to renegotiate this made-up contract and get you on for the draft at this rate just to get all the crack from you, I tell you. Um, you're, uh, it's, in, it's in Detroit as well. Um, try, I'm trying to think, because we were talking about a couple of games that we want to talk about. We've got about 10, 15 minutes here. Uh, people know me as a Broncos fan. I was watching that game against the Texans, and you're talking about the Patriots and, and the optimism that you had and how it went downhill. You know, I've never seen as much optimism for a game for the Broncos, especially James, since yeah. Yeah. since Manning won the Super Bowl. I mean, maybe the kickoff the following September against Carolina, but it's been downhill ever since then. And people need to remember that's six to seven years ago. So I put up like a pick at the weekend and said I thought the Texans win the game and I got slated for it. And as like, look, I mean, I've been let down too many times here, but. Yeah. And this is the one thing that we haven't really talked about, James, because I've been off for a couple of weeks and Mark has been very gracious in taking the time. And thank you to Mark for that. Um, frankly, CJ Stroud's a complete stud. Now, am I saying he's a David Clifford type? No. But he's like Shawnee Shea. He's got serious potential. And he's going to like blow up the league in the next couple of years. And I know Shawnee's done that already, but he's in the mix for MVP conversation coming into December here. And yes, they did not have a fantastic day on Sunday against the Broncos, but the Texans get over the line. And one thing that's happened, James, since that game is, and we don't have to focus on it too much, but Jacksonville lose Monday night. Lawrence is going to be week to week. They have a massive chance now. Have have you been impressed with um, CJ Stroud? I have. I've been watching him kind of a good bit because I suppose it's been a great story between himself and Tank Dell. Excuse me. And, um, you know, with with new coach now, Dixon, so... They've went through kind of a tough spell after the Texans over the last couple of years, whether it be the, the drama surrounding Deshaun Watson and his exit or just the, the, the franchise as a whole. It's, it's been a tough couple of years to them. So, like, I, as I said to, to Mark last week or the week previous, you know, I, I kind of had a soft spot for them ever since their day in Hard Knocks and Bill O'Brien, I kind of like and like them but not too much, but you know what I mean? Kind of watched them with a, with a, with a long eye. But CJ Stroud, he's a stud. He's a stud. Tank Dell is a stud. You know, they've got a good balance there too. And you said the MVP conversation. Now, I don't throw people too lightly into that conversation. But look, when I say he's in the mix, he, he breaks into the top 10 in the mix. I wouldn't put him in it too high now. Like I could pick five players right now who I'd put him before, truthfully speaking. But obviously their circumstances are a lot better. So if you 
if you're talking about Purdy or, or Jalen Hurts or Mahomes, etc., their circumstances, their surroundings are, are better. So, as, so from C.J. Stroud to come in as a rookie and execute. And one thing executing in the normal in the middle of a game, but when you're coming down to all the games he's in, whereby it's a one-score game, it's heading towards overtime, it's one possession, two-minute drills, he's been oh, he's been awesome. Like I mean, like the Broncos, you know, they still have a chance, but I think during the last five games, they're going to have to win, no, especially the division they're in, they're going to have to win a minimum four. So I, if they came through last Sunday with a victory, I was giving them a good hope to come out, come out of the division. Uh, or definitely into the conference for a wildcard spot. But now I'm kind of, I don't know, Mike. You know, I don't know, Mike. I, I, they'd have to go definitely better than 3-2. They'd have to go 4-1, and one, if not 5-0. No. You know, as, as for the Texans, then again, you know, they're, they're still lagging behind the touch. So I, I think they would have hoped for Tennessee to take out Indianapolis. Didn't happen. They're, they're coupling with something special to Indianapolis. So you're kind of saying to yourself, as I said, Lawrence has got a bad ankle, I think. Indianapolis, you know, Jerry Henry, as well as he could the protocol. The landscape can change dramatically week to week. The fact is, just have to keep on climbing. They're impressive and they're a good outfit to watch. As 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 the media do, they create a stir about them. And rightfully so, because you've got rookies running the show down there. So if you've got rookies running the show against, against seasoned teams, against seasoned coaches, and they're up with the goods, you know, that's, that's, that's headline grabbing, if you ask me. Yeah, and it's like people don't talk about it in the offseason. They're not like, oh, the Texans are going to have a good year. I don't, nobody's seen this coming. And going on, we're talking about the Texans, the Broncos, Texans have got the Jets this week, the Titans. The Browns, the Titans, and the Colts to finish out the season, while the Broncos have got the Chargers, the Lions, the Pats, the Chargers, and the Raiders. So two in two interesting schedules. And on that, you talk about CJ Stroud. He was a guy that didn't just win the offensive rookie of the month in November. He won the offensive player of the month as well. We had this argument with Jeff Reinbold at the weekend. I did when I was in Manchester with him, and we talked over the MVP award. And you know, what exactly is that award in the sense of are you giving it to the best player? Is it a hype award? How do you view the MVP award? Do you look at it in the sense of, do you feel sometimes that quarterbacks get too much love? Like in a season where we've seen defensive players be so good, do you think this year it should be somebody else for once? Or do you need more time to think on that? Because I just fired that upon you by one. <laughs> no, that's, that's okay. Um, I, I think, um, I like the way the NFL do is they have the, they have the regular season MVP and they have the Super Bowl MVP. Um, I think Super Bowl MVP for me shows the importance of individual players in certain times. You know, over the course of a season, how a team can, you know, maybe fluctuate in form, I do believe the quarterback is the most important player. Uh, if he's not on form, it's very hard to carry him, especially and get him into playoff, playoff territory. Um, I was just thinking how important, like what position is next? And if you're heading into, you know, let's say constructively heading, looking towards winning the championship, you know, I, my eyes automatically turn to the defense. And if you remember a man by the name of Dante Hightower, remember him? And I just think of him in the three Super Bowls he played. Remember Super Bowl 49 against the Seahawks? Remember his first yeah. goal? He basically bench presses the Seahawks all line man and tackles Lynch at the one. They say it's touchdown. Then it's the Malcolm Butler, you know, interception after that. Uh, then see Super Bowl 51, he strip sacks Matt Ryan once and then, you know, sacks him again to make it a one possession game. And then in Super Bowl 53, he sacks Jared Goff twice and, and does a pass defense. So like as a middle linebacker then in the defense, if you're you know a D lineman or a middle linebacker, you're crucial to your team as well. If you're going down the stretch, you know, one game only. Yes, that's how you can influence it. But I think over the course of a season, whereby you're playing in all kinds of weather, different areas of the country, different sites, different areas of the world, you know, you need your quarterback to be the most level. Uh, and I would say 
definitely he has to be the most um what's the word I'm looking for Mike you know consistent player high level consistent yeah. player otherwise your team is going to so I, I do put Ballyners and in fairness I think that Americans don't often get it wrong so yeah quarterback is, is huge but defense middle linebacker and uh, you know D-lineman huge defensive end right let's finally stay in that quarterback conversation because I was getting up this morning wasn't de-iced in the car because it wasn't too bad in Tyrone this, this way I was been bad up here but don't know what it's been like down there I was doing bad up here the last week whatever sure. looked at the phone the thought I'll text him back I'll, I'll text him back this is not merit a thumbs up emoji because usually James fires a text on Tuesday morning and fair, fair play to you for, for remembering it because usually my head's fried from, from Monday Night Football um, you were talking I think and correct me if I'm wrong you were talking about the importance of you know a position outside of the quarterback but it's not just about the quarterback position but it's about you know a different position and I, I'd be really really intrigued to hear just your thoughts on what position you feel maybe deserves more merit like for me it's running back position like you know like you look at the whole offseason that we had with Saquon and the fact that he had to go on to a baller podcast with one of his mates and basically give out about a team that he's been with for yeah. so long a team that yes stood by him when he was injured but he had a great season the year before and when you paid Daniel Jones 150 million you expect Saquon to be respected but I think the issue that you're going to have in the States now is with the general disrespect for the running back position you're going to have wins that are like I don't want to play as a running back I want to be like a wide receiver or defensive end or whatever and that would be like a situation in Gaelic where or Hurland where kids don't want to play in that and they want to play somewhere else but you're actually right mate because at the end of the day, like um, it's monkey see, monkey do situation over there. So the 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 most highlighted players are often the most attractive attractive to the young kids. And you look at the fullback position. The fullback position is especially almost gone in NFL, you know, because it just suits schemes that were most offenses. And I think really the running back situation that began to die with Tom Brady, if you ask me, because he was so influential and so good that the Patriots could get away with mid level running backs, which they were, to be fair, you know. Then along comes the likes of Rogers, Mahomes, and the guys are winning Super Bowls, and they don't have a tier one court, a tier one running back, which they didn't. Shortly speaking, they didn't. So now they're looking at the guys and saying, actually, the guys who had tier one running backs, and it goes back to Le'Veon Bell, if you remember, with the Steelers. That was really the start of it for me, whereby the running back position started to get devalued to a degree. Um, teams can win without them, but teams cannot win without a high level quarterback. It's just that simple. You know, it's the same way it was Matt Stafford, a Matt Stafford. Who was the running back back then? He was struggling to understand. How girly got to know. He had a monumental season for the rounds the year previous. He got shipped out to Atlanta. You know what I mean? So I think it's a position that is, I would say, undervalued or underpaid with the workload that they carry. You know, the touches they have and the tackles they, they actually get upon themselves. But in terms of influence over the team, I can't say they're more information than a, than a high-quality defensive end or high-quality high linebacker. I have to say. You know, if you, if you look at playmakers and... I don't know I'm saying this. I was one side of the mouse with Christian McCaffrey looking the form he's in. But as I mentioned with Dante Hightower and the likes, you know, and Aaron Dodd, if you if you remember how, how effective he was in, in the Super Bowl against the Bengals. Remember Idal Hang Su, you know, against the, the Chiefs, etc. You have DNs and mid linebackers who can influence games and results against oppositions. I just running backs, I just think an awful has to go with them. And their markers devalued, and I think it's it's going to stay going south. You know, I hate to say it for them. It's going to take because the quarterback, like Roger Goodell, he wants the ball in the air. That's the big play. That's where he wants. He wants the ball in the air wherever we're going to see it. Flash play. And it's going to continue to go that way. We're, we're heading down that road, I think. 
And quarterbacks are finding it hard to develop because they're not being given enough time. There's not the, there's not really deep developmental leagues. Yes, there's the XFL, there's different things, but there's not a developmental league where, you know, the GEA, when it comes to intercounties, has got clubs. You know, the, the NFL doesn't have that. Yes, they've got one of the greatest free things for them, which is high school, no high school, college football, sorry. But when it gets to that point past that, it's difficult to develop different positions as well. So well, college football, Mike, how, sorry, interrupt you. Like, college football is a, is a juggernaut. Like, it's, 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 mm. you see why some of my family, college football is far more popular in the, in the States than, than, than in the NFL. Because it's it's the it's the true meaning of locality, if you know what I mean. So if you get quarterbacks heading out of high school as 18, 19 year old kids heading in there, straight away they're under pressure. <laughs> they're under pressure. You know, so it's like they have, you're, you're right in saying they've no chance to develop because results mean everything. You're getting managers, coaches, sorry, who are getting a couple of million. So it's it's pressure for straight away at nineteen. You know, hard position to play, my friend. I'll end the podcast this week on this. Uh who wins the Eagles Cowboys and something? Eagles. And who loses apart from me and you? I don't want to miss the green a bit because I'll tell you why. Which I just said at the start of the show, the Cowboys are 14 in a row. Eagles coming off a bad loss. Couple injuries. So I'm going to go against the green and say Eagles. And get to Jack. Let's throw him off. I tell you what, next week let's talk about the Packers because by the time we talk all next week, um, the Packers will have played the Giants and could potentially be sitting 7-6 and six in the North. That could be huge. Um, but you're taking the I, I'm taking the Cowboys I think the Cowboys win the Jerry World on Sunday Night Football and I think we then go into a huge four weeks James and excited to not just chat to you during that game but just, just talk to you through this big stretch big big month coming up man and uh, certainly appreciate appreciate your time coming on here but more so appreciate people listening uh, presuming you've already put all the favours in to watch this late Sunday night is that the plan at the house or what's the crack exactly Sunday night is, 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 is my is my area of dominance. <laughs> well, that was, yeah. Everybody is ours back very soon, though, James. I don't know you have to say. It's, uh... Well, if she attempts <laughs> to put it on, it's only like, uh, we may attempt counseling as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, James, uh, good. Give me a log on here. Thanks a million for coming on. See you next week. Yeah. Hey, one, sir. Good man.